Well, welcome everyone to this episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. We have a special guest. I am so excited to speak with Suzanne Hobson, President of Operations for TriCap Residential Group. Suzanne, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be talking with you today. You know, Suzanne, since I saw you present at AIM, you were hands down, you probably could tell because I was like on the front row, just like so engaged, but you were hands down my favorite session and I knew that I wanted to have you to talk about this important topic. Wow. I'm very flattered by that. That (laughs) means a lot. Thank you. Well, let's dig in. So can you just share what is your current role? What does a typical day look like for you? Well, as you can see, I'm coming off the weekend. I'm in my tri-cap flare gear. And uh, typically that's what we're doing. We are uh, either in the trenches uh, remotely with our teams uh, or we are, uh, you know, managing from a distance. And so honestly, a, you know, a typical day for me is all about the people. So especially in my new role, I have been really focused on uh, continuing to look at our organizational chart with all of my counterparts in crime, as I call them. <laughs> and we're, we're continuously tweaking that org chart to make sure that we've got our right people in the right seats. And as you know from the conference, we are scaling quite rapidly. So there's a lot of focus on people and on process uh, and also just how we're really supporting the teams. So that's how, that's how I'm, I've been spending my days as of late. Okay. You know, that was, I think that was what, what I took away even in that short session was I could tell that you were very passionate about people and processes, which is also something that I love. I think the combination is so powerful. And When you talk about centralized leasing, for those that don't know, I mean, it has been in every email that NAA has sent out. I mean, it is, it is every topic, but for those that maybe haven't heard, can you share what it is and then what convinced you that it was right for TriCap? Sure. And it's a really loaded question. When you say what is centralized leasing, you're quite right, because it really does look differently depending on the organization. And now that it's really out into the world and people are dipping their toes or they're jumping in full force into this new concept, um, you're hearing more and more about how uh, companies are structuring this, uh, depending on on their product type, depending on how they're structured. Uh, So for us at TriCap, it really, you know, part of the story developed from a couple of different areas, one of which was the pandemic. But also, I think intrinsically, and this is what really attracted me to TriCap in the first place and our owner, Brian Pritchard, was the need to really stop making the engagement manager or the property manager wear every single hat and really looking at what people were good at, their skill sets, and zoning in on sales in particular. The salesperson looks differently in how they're made up than your typical property manager or assistant manager uh, or regional manager. And so how could we take the most, one of the most important roles in our organization and get people so laser focused on what they're good at with their skill sets and really sort of lift all the other responsibilities from them. And that was really, I think, one of the concepts of centralizing some of those responsibilities to other departments, uh, to other roles. And so that was part of that. The other part for us was, I think, more of a strategic move during the pandemic to really listen in on what our customer was asking for. And they really didn't want to see us. Uh, They didn't want to have in-person tours. 
And how are we really going to accommodate the need of our customer? And so almost simultaneously and almost overnight, we made the decision to not only examine the role, but how could we really build the tech stack around our customer need and also our employee needs so that they could actually show apartments virtually and really close out that sales cycle from start to finish remotely. And so we started out with the basics, you know, some basic equipment that some of some of our teams had already and some of them didn't. Um, luckily, we were very much paperless at the time. So that was one easy fix. Some of the more challenging things that we did to centralize our process was to uh, make sure that every team member had whereby rooms um, where they could do virtual tours, um, that they had the right Matterport and the right video content so that you know, we could truly deliver, uh, you know, an eye view into that product virtually, all of which required lots of vendor support, many different changes out of tech and support. Um, and now we have a much more robust, um, I guess you would say library, but that was one of the things that we did immediately to centralize those functions. And so right now, to give everyone an idea of what that, you know, looks like, um, in our current model, we are still completely 100% remote for sales. Uh, we have approximately one salesperson for every 500 units. And so scalability, again, is, uh, is very uh, doable and profitable. And we also have people that are super happy. So our turnover in that role is uh, very low. That is incredible. You know, you said so much. I want to unpack a little bit the part about one person doing all the roles and how that has been kind of the standard. I have shared this on this podcast before. I was in a marketing meeting with um, the CEO of a very large company and he's still my friend. And I share this story anonymously because he's heard this, but we were in a meeting and he said, you know, I expect my managers to, and he started listing everything off. And he said, you know, understand Google analytics, host these events, you know, and, and I, I looked at him and I said, you know, I said, because I knew he had respect for me. I said, I couldn't do that. I know you think that I can do a lot of things. I said, but I don't know anybody. I said, I would venture to say you probably couldn't do that either. And it was one of those wake up moments that I think that's what resonated so much when I heard you talk about this is that seems like a very um, logical line of reasoning. Why do you think our industry has been so slow to adopt this? Well, I think our industry has outgrown some of the way it operated as a mom and pop, or even in the early days of the, of the larger companies, where you could have, um, you know, a, a team of people that, uh, and especially if you had a small team of people that could, could handle what the customer needed and expected. But let's face it, our customer is demanding a lot more from us now. And, you know, every other industry um, that is, is, you know, a large investment, if you will, and housing is a huge investment for people. Uh, they need to be able to do it uh, quickly, uh, inexpensively, safely. Uh, that's what our customer expects. They get it from, you know, Amazon. They get it from other uh, organizations and, and, and industries. So it's really just, you know, they expect it already. Right. And so we're really playing this catch up to accommodate what, what they've been asking for already. Um, so I think that's really at the root of it. And what is exciting about that is that I think our 
industry is responding, mm -hmm. but it does require us to really look at things a lot differently than we have before. And so that can be a challenge. Yeah. And I think in the presentation, something else that you mentioned that I thought really was true is we're not really competing with, let's say, another management company. We're more competing with how people are used to doing business across the board. I mean, you mentioned Amazon and they've really set the standard for you want something, you can get it, you can get it quickly, easy, you know, it's a good price, you can compare ratings. And so I think sometimes we think, oh, it's just comparing one to the, one apartment to the next. But no, it's about meeting the customer where they're at and how they're used to doing business. So I love that that idea. So who is centralized leasing not for at this point? What do you think? That's a tough one because <laughs> I think it could be for everyone. Um, I do think that it's probably not for the, for the faint at heart. Like you've got to go all in and you can take steps that are smaller in nature so that you're, there's not a lot of risk. Um, but once you start to readjust your tech stack uh, and even begin to change process, it can be really hard to undo that. And so, you know, you have to really think through the entire, um, you know, execution of it. And yet at the same time, um, have the, have the, urge or the the fourth thought to to really push you and the team to make it happen it you know some of the risk is being taken out of it um you know we had to do a lot in the pandemic that we don't have to do now and i think that that makes it easier for for companies to adjust and i do think that there are different types of centralization i think um you know there are models where you have you know still a corporate off-site um, office that has centralized salespeople present. And that also is um, something that I've seen as a model that really works. Um, also helping with that engaging um, part of, I think, what we're challenged with now, which is remote work. I think, you know, it was really exciting for people at first. They're like, oh yeah, look at all the work I'm going to be able to get done. And for those of us that have worked remotely for quite some time, it's you know, not really an adjustment for us. But for people who have been in the office, for people that people that need people, mm -hmm. people that get their buckets filled uh, by interaction every day, I think I think that is something to take into consideration. You know, how can you really keep the engagement in your organization so that people don't feel isolated? So, so I guess the mechanisms, the management, the training, all that process that we talked about, um, it, that needs to be thought of, and 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 a lot of thought needs to go into that before you before you tackle it. But then again, you got to do it. Like you got to take a step and you got to take a risk. And um, I, I think it's all worth it in the end. So I don't really know that there's anyone that wouldn't benefit um, from looking at centralized services in general. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's so funny to think that there's people that don't love the work from home, but I, cause I'm on team work from home and have loved it from before the pandemic. And, but it's true that is running a remote company. I do too. There are employees that need the meetup meetups and need the, you know, in-person stuff to re to fill that cup and taking all of that into consideration is probably a huge part of that. Yes, for sure. So let me ask you, you mentioned and you've alluded to some of the challenges, but say somebody that's looking to embark on this, what are a couple of the ones that, you know, are kind of standouts that you think, okay, you need to be aware that this part might be a hiccup? For sure. I think if you are, um, let, let's start with 
let's start with the customer journey first, because in retrospect, and you heard me speak um, a lot about this uh, at AIM, you really need, need to identify your personas, your, your customer personas. And that means all of them, not just a couple of them that are in your main demographic. The real challenge is to look at all of your customers and their journey uh, throughout your tech stack. Uh, and, and the tech comes secondarily to really examining that, that customer journey. And so that's where you know, people can miss the mark and put a tech solution on a customer that's not a match. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for instance, we do acquisitions because we're scaling. One of the challenges that we really didn't foresee was the retraining of all of the resident profile going into a property that we hadn't owned prior. So, you know, if they were not a paperless company or were used to dealing with uh, a property manager every day, how are we going to really offset that through education, um, you know, engagement, interaction, uh, it's much easier to train prospects because out in the world, you know, most of the people that are finding us are finding us, you know, through our website, right, and through mm -hmm. technology. And so it's it's more challenging for our current resident base to to understand and to learn how how to interact with us. So that whole program and part of that was done secondarily to us launching, and that that I think was a hiccup. Um, I also think that when you are uh, training your your teams. And especially if you're training your current teams to now operate differently in this way, a lot of education needs to go, you know, it needs to be in front of them. The statistics are, are very compelling as to, again, what our customers need, not necessarily what our salespeople need to be successful. And so what's worked in the past isn't necessarily what works going forward. And that's hard for people who are, who have been trained and have done, you know, the same uh, methodology in selling for, you know, five years to now suddenly go and, and try to do it differently. So that can be challenging as well. Technology is challenging. Um, it's very the end. We could, we'd have a whole nother podcast on just technology. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think really using small focus groups first and testing on just a couple of properties before rolling it out across the organization. These are also really good for the team that is participating. They get to do something fun and new, they also get to work out all the bugs, um, all of those things that, you know, when you do larger rollouts can, can really slow you down um, if you haven't worked through all the bugs first. Those are a few of them. There's, there's still many, but the, I think, you know, the advantages really outweigh those challenges and those are just things for us to solve. They're not, they're not stoppers. Right. Okay. That's what I love hearing. So one of the things that we adopted in our company a few years back is kind of an experiment mindset. Everything that we try, we say, Hey, this is an experiment. If it doesn't work, we can iterate on it. But then, you know, does that, that. is that a philosophy that you guys have had to kind of embark to? Oh yeah. I mean, Brian and I, I quote him all the time on this and it's, you know, he, he's just not like, don't ask why, ask why not. Yeah, <laughs> And to me, that is just, it's, it, it makes me think a little bit further than I was before. And so that's how we, that's how we talk around here. It's like, okay, well, well, why not? Why can't we do it? Let's really examine that because there may be a stopper that someone else on the team can overcome. Maybe it's not really a stopper at all. And so um, I love that you do that as well. And I, I think, again, that's, that's, that's the, that's the beginning ingredients of actually doing stuff like this and, and making it happen. You have to have that mentality. 
I think so too. You know, I follow sometimes the conversations on LinkedIn and I'm, I always kind of see a pattern for those that are really staunch against centralized leasing. Some of the obstacles that they bring up, I kind of think to myself, those are opportunities. They're kind of ways that we can say, well, why, how could this work? How can we do it different? And, you know, but I think it's what you said, when you're used to doing something the same way, it's almost like a, a little bit of a threat to the norm. And you have to get comfortable with saying, okay, the tides are changing. Is there still, you know, a spot for me? How do I, how do I change with the tide as well? And at least that is what I have observed. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement. And, you know, especially during these un unprecedented times and they continue, um, people are just unsure. They're mm-hmm. unsure of what's going to happen next. And I'm, I'm even seeing that now in, in you know, our, our current environment. Um, people are worried about a recession. Um, they're worried, you know, there's just a lot of worry still. Uh, worried about being remote. You know, people are starting to understand and, and respond to um, not just the isolation we had during the pandemic, but continued uh, isolation and or going back to work in a hybrid model. So the challenges of that. And I think, you know, we're just getting used to now and hopefully we're getting better at it. Um, pivoting. And I know it's that word. And I know I'm nobody to, likes it, I'm but trying it's like to, the best word. To, it is such the best word. I'm trying to find a new one. So if you think <laughs> of one, let, let me know because yeah, I, I do overuse it, but it's true. I mean, uh, it does require that. And, and it's all fluid. I, I laugh all the time now about this organizational chart because we do literally look at it all the time. And you, you think you got something figured out and you don't, it, something changes and it's being open to that and listening for it, um, making time to listen for it. I think I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that word pivot, I always think people don't like it, but I think it's like one foot planted in the present and one foot moving towards the future. And I feel that balance is what you need in that situation. So I think I'm going to keep using it, you know? (laughs) I will too then. (laughs) Okay, you alluded to benefits and I know that there've been many, but what would be the top benefits that you've seen of going to the centralized leasing? Well, I think we've elevated a position that uh, historically in our industry has been the lowest on the totem pole. And from that, you know, I think that, you know, our team is very proud to be a sales manager and they know how important they are. Um, We've been able to pay them more. We've been able to bonus them more. Um, We have very little turnover in that role. And, you know, I think that's all from, you know, really thinking through the, the, the true importance of one of our major revenue generators. Uh, That's the sales arm. So uh, that's, I think the, the biggest benefit, we never have a problem recruiting. Um, and I know that's a really hard thing right now uh, for people. And, you know, there's challenges across the board that we also are faced with um, in other departments, but typically and historically sales or leasing has been hard to fill long-term and we have not had, had those challenges. So I would say that's probably the number one on the inside for our employee experience on the, on the exterior or, you know, our customer experience um, outwardly. I think that, um, you know, this is still an area of work in progress. The biggest benefit I can see for our residents is that in our prospects is that they can go through our entire process without talking to a human and they can feel confident that what they're seeing is what they're going to get. Um, you know, it, and again, we had to put some other things in place, like our 30 day money back guarantee. If you're dissatisfied for any reason, we'll refund your money. 
um, things like that, you know, to, to make people trust because it's hard when you can't touch it, feel it, uh, all that good stuff, especially when it's a, a big purchase. But I would say, you know, externally, it's being able to service our customers in a more efficient way and the way that they want to be serviced. And internally, it's really just people like their job. Yeah. They like what they're doing. That's an awesome, I mean, that's an awesome testimonial because you're right. It seems like everybody's talking about not being able to find talent. But when what I have found is when you align people to their strengths and they get to spend the majority of their time doing what they're good at, they want to be there. It's it's like, I even say that with myself, if I had to be doing financials every single day, I, I couldn't, you know, but you put me talking with people and I love it. So we thrive and we want to do more of what is good. So I think that was the message that I wanted to get is that people sometimes get so stuck in how to do it, but the end result can be so worth it. So can we switch gears for a bit? Because part of this um, podcast is I want people that are looking to grow in their career to look to others that have already maybe gotten to many layers that they never think is possible, especially women in our industry. So when you're looking at new talent or talent that you want to promote, what are some qualities that are important to you that like stand out and say, okay, this is somebody I'm going to keep an eye on. Oh yeah. I love this topic. Um, I would say the biggest thing that sticks out to me in, in a, as a quality and another that I find, you know, highly desirable is owning it. Um, you know, when, when you have a, a colleague and they're struggling or, um, you know, we're going through change or transition or they're even new to the organization, um, when they don't hide, when they don't, uh, when they own up to, to what is happening and, and maybe the mistakes um, that can happen because they happen to all of us, um, I just, it creates so much more room to assist and to help and, um, to mentor and to coach. So that openness to feedback, it, I think is really critical and really owning, owning, owning the job. Like mm -hmm. everybody has a job and, you know, when people do their job, amazing things happen. Um, so I would think owning it and, and, you know, it like the finger pointing that never happens because they're, they're owning their control over what, whatever's occurring. And it may be limited. They may not have a lot of control over what's happening, but whatever they do have control over they're, they're owning it and, and they're making the best of that at the moment. So I love seeing that in, in people. Um, that means, that means that they're open for a lot. Yeah. They're teachable. So they're teachable. That's a great way of just synopsizing it. Yeah, that's beautiful though. I love that. So what advice would you give someone that's just starting out in the industry, kind of knowing now what you know? What would I say to my younger self? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let, I like that. Let's flip it. Yeah, I would, I would say, um, don't take it personally. <laughs> I know it's so cliche, but really when, when good feedback, negative feedback, feedback that may be happening to someone else, or something that might be happening to someone else, um, just soak it all in and learn from it. Um, you know, what people say does not define you. Um, and you are who you know you are to be. And so be the best that you can possibly be. And that should be enough. You know, I, and, and I, I think, I think that's probably what I, uh, that would be the biggest career ad advice I would give. I would also say, um, you know, if you, if you have a passion and you don't think it's going to pay enough or you don't think it's the trajectory 
of, you know, the great career path that you want to be on, think again, because whatever you're passionate about, the money will come. Um, and the, whatever you're looking for out of it, if it's recognition, if it's, um, you know, developing others, if it's owning your own business, if it's expanding something, whatever it is, just follow your passion, educate yourself as much as you possibly can around that passion. Because like we said before, when you're doing what you're really passionate about, everything, everything seems to fall in place a lot easier than trying to wear the hat of a position that you think will get you where you want to go. Um, but really isn't the right fit for you. I love this. This falls under like non-traditional advice because it's so not necessarily the cut and dry to what you want. I mean, I feel like that resonates with me because I was a property manager for years, a regional, but I love marketing. That's what I went to school for. And so you never know where things end up, but I think that is what you said, just keep developing those skills and people can sense when you're passionate about something. And that is so contagious, I think, you know, cause I could tell like, you know, I've heard others talk about centralized leasing, but I could tell that it was something that you were getting very excited about because of the operations and the figuring things out. And so, but I bet, you know, when you started, this was never on your radar. <laughs> no, no. And, and that's really the partnership with, uh, that I have with our owner, Brian, and, and our team. You know, there are people that are great visionaries out there, and there are people that are executors. And there's, you know, a very small percentage that are good at both. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know some of them, they're, they're big names out there in, in the world. Um, but for the most part, knowing the difference between, you know, that I think is really helpful. And, and, you know, I love working with visionaries because they think of things I never could think of. And I love the execution part because I've, I know how to do that. It, and it comes naturally to me. It does not come naturally to them. Um, so I, you know, I think that's all, all the good stuff, like uh, all, all the good parts of, of, of this, but knowing that when you're really young, like what am I supposed to be? What am I really? That's so hard to figure out. And, you know, just be patient with yourself and try a lot of different things. It's like when your parents sent you off to camp, right? They sent you to 90,000 camps, hoping that, you know, you'd figure it out, um, like what you were most passionate about. And it takes, it takes more than just camps to figure that out. Sometimes you're going to get in the wrong job. And, and that's just the way, that's just the way it goes. Absolutely. And I think everybody starts out thinking they want to be the visionary, but my (laughs) business partner, Lauren, she always says, you know, it feels really lame to say that I just want to support someone, but she's like, that's what I get excited about. I just want to be supportive and see others shine. And so I think that letting go of the ego and just say, this is my lane and I'm going to go for it is a great, is a great piece of advice that you shared. Okay, Suzanne, we're almost done, but I want to do a real quick fire just to get to know you just a little bit better. Just a couple of questions. So do you have an evening or a morning routine that is kind of sacred to you? Oh, yeah. So I've become very protective of my morning hours. Um, Bless my husband. Uh, (laughs) He actually does a lot of the heavy lifting in the morning. And we just recently made this change in, in the last five years. Uh, where I get to, I get to sleep in a little bit. I don't sleep in much. I get up very early. Um, you know, I, I like to, to get the blood flowing. I typically, and I'm, I'm a little weird like this. I typically, um, either have coffee or water. Sometimes I throw in a pop and then I won't drink pop for like three months and then I'll go back and I'll, I'll do it again. So just weird things to, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of get things going. I love to read. 
Um, so sometimes I'll spend that time in the morning reading. We've got a pretty big family over here. Uh, it's a blended family. So there's a lot of pieces and parts always moving. Um, but that that's how I typically spend uh, my mornings is just really spending it on me and thoughtful time and um, getting ready for what I know is going to be a very challenging day. Yeah. Do you feel like that sets you up to tackle the rest of the day? I do. I, I need that clarity time. I call them clarity breaks um, or focus times. And they're honestly times that I build into my calendar and we utilize teams, which is really helpful. And, and there's something called, I think it's called Vivia uh, or Vista. I'm not sure, but it's one of the, um, the data's, data streams that come out, out of team. And it actually tells you how you spend your time and it will schedule focus time for you um, right into your calendar. And so I like to do that before I get into my office, which is, you know, across the hallway. Um, and, and I do think clarity breaks are extremely important on, on taking time to have some of that, that visionary thought, you know, and, and, and dreamscaping that we don't necessarily make time for. Absolutely. So is there anything people would be surprised to learn about you? Well, there's a lot of people that know me from the beginning, right? So sure. I, I wouldn't surprise them, but, okay, I, would, but I would say no Suzanne on LinkedIn or have seen you speak. What would be surprising? Um, well, I was in a rock band once, um, way back in my early twenties, I worked at Marquette management and I worked with the most awesome group of people. And we were challenged with, um, using our gifts and talents as a team to raise money for a charity. And, um, my, my mate, I was working at a property at the time and my whole service team was in a rock band and I had always sung in my, you know, my closet or whatever. <laughs> and um, they incur they heard me humming one day and they're like, oh, we know what you could do. And so by the end of this, um, both in Chicago and in Detroit, we had done like three concerts and we raised $25,000 for hospice, um, all based on looking at people's gifts and talents. And yeah, so I, I guess I sang in a rock band for with that team for like a year afterwards. We did some bar hopping in Detroit again in my early twenties. Okay. That yeah. I would not have done, but very <laughs> cool. Very cool. <laughs> okay. So if you weren't working in multifamily, what would you be doing? Teaching. Um, I probably would have been a teacher. Um, I feel like I'm teaching all the time anyway, but it, I think it would have been more um, like, a, like a bona fide teacher not small children. I love them dearly, but I, I do realize my patience level, but I would, I would have been teaching and for teaching. sure. Okay. So last question tomorrow, you wake up, you have nothing on your calendar, which I know right now is not happening in your days, but let's say it's like a totally free day. How are you spending it? Really? Um, probably slow ramp up just yeah. doing what I do every morning. Um, but then I would be heading to see my uh, daughter and my granddaughter. They're only 20 minutes away, probably dragging them to the beach, which also is not very far away. If I had longer than a day, I'd be traveling for sure. Okay. I'd be going somewhere um, warm, most likely. But yeah, I would definitely be spending the day with my family and my dog. I have a boxer and he's super cute. So. Oh my goodness. I grew up with boxers. So they've got so you the know. personality. I mean, just, I love, I love their personality. 
but those days with, um, when you get to have the slow mornings, those are my favorite too. When there's, it's like the ultimate adult luxury to not have anything on your calendar. (laughs) So true. I'm not into yoga. I know a lot of people that are, and I, I really admire because they can really, they can bring their whole heart rate down. I think that's terrific. It's a goal. Um, but yeah, that's my kind of Zen in the morning. Yeah. I feel like the ocean too, though, that does it for you. Mm. That's the perfect reset. Well, Suzanne, I knew this was going to be just a great conversation and you definitely didn't disappoint. Thank you so much for taking this time. And I cannot wait for our audience to hear all about centralized leasing and the experience that it's been for you guys. Well, thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure and yeah, I can't wait till we meet up again.